Halloween and why we aren't afraid. And I want to point something out first. Kids, you see this box? It's got 30 bags of treats in it. And I'm going to be passing these out at the end of the service by the front door to all the kids. Now, qualify as a kid, you have to be under... <laughs> we'll go with under 16, okay? Let's see if we have enough. I got 30 of these, but we are, uh, Calvary wants to bless our kids, and particularly when, how often does Halloween fall on a Sunday morning? So we want to do something special for you guys. So kids, I want to start this morning by asking you a question. Okay, kids, I want to maybe get some hands and, and you can shout, shout out your answers. When it comes to Halloween season, is there anything that scares you? Come on, there's got to be something that's, yes. Yeah, I think that would scare me too. Somebody that's a criminal and puts poison in the candy. Ooh, anything else? What, what else scares you guys on it? Yes, Madison. Oh, gross. <laughs> what else? Halloween. I haven't heard anything about zombies, werewolves. Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. When, when we lived in Oregon, we lived kitty-corner to a cemetery. And this was one of those dark cemeteries that had all these gravestones, including the ones that were kind of leaning at an angle. And there were big trees with big branches all through the cemetery. It was a dark cemetery. It was a Masonic cemetery. And it was big. It was a big cemetery. There must have been a couple thousand gravestones in there. And we had a dog named Jewel. And I had to walk Jewel, so I would tend to walk her in the cemetery. And I remember one Halloween night, Jewel needed to go potty, so I went to walk her in the cemetery. And I'm walking down these lanes between the gravestones, and it's dark, and it's kind of foggy. And the moon is kind of hidden behind the clouds, but it's enough to cast shadows all over the, the gravestones. And I'm walking along, and all of a sudden a cat goes, Meow! and I just about jumped out of my skin. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Yeah, it's, it's kind of scary. You know, there are a lot of people that are afraid to even go in a cemetery at night, right? And um, I remember we had... Um, we had a foreign exchange student from China living with us when we were in Oregon for a year. And uh, he was a devout communist, and he was an atheist. He didn't believe in God. He didn't believe in supernatural things. But you get him in the dark and a tree with big branches like that, he would freak out. He was really, really scared of things, and it was just didn't seem to make sense because he was supposedly didn't believe in supernatural things. Well, he did when it came down to it. And so we've always teased him about that. I met a lot of people who's, who are very fearful during the Halloween season and well as other times. 
afraid of supernatural things, particularly the dark side. I mean, this is the season we talk about vampires, and werewolves, and demons, and witches, and zombies, right? And a lot of kids dress up as those things. And um, sometimes, I don't know, you guys are all familiar with uh, Twilight or whatever is the newer, the newer zombies and the newer, the newer vampires, right? When I was um, about, gosh, about 15 years ago, we, had to go, we went to Romania, Brooke and I, and we took our three boys, they were all in school, and we went to Transylvania. Can I say it again? Transylvania. <laughs> Who is from Transylvania? Dracula! And we went to Dracula's castle. We actually did. Fortunately, it was in the daytime. And when we got there, we actually, we actually heard the real story about who Count Dracula was. He was actually a guy named Vlad the Impaler. He was called that because he, would, he hated the Turkish people who had taken over his country in that time because they had captured and killed his parents and they took him and his brothers captive and made them work as slaves. And finally, one day he was able to escape. He went back to his country and he made it his mission to kill as many Turkish people as he could find. And the government and their military was still running that part of, of Romania, Transylvania. And so he had a big castle and he would catch them and he would put stakes all the way through their bodies and stick them in the ground. It was a horrible thing. But anyway, we found out that it wasn't such a big deal. The stories and the myths are much greater than the reality. So I want to talk this morning about why it is sometimes we as believers are still afraid of these things, these supernatural things, afraid of the enemy and afraid of the images of, of this time during Halloween. Because if you have ever been a person that is afraid of spirits, evil spirits, and we've countered many, many people that have been very, very afraid of the influence of evil spirits in their lives. I've got some really good news for you. I've got some really, really good news for you. If you've ever been fearful and wondered, could they hurt me? Could they hurt my kids? Could they hurt my family? So I want to read um, a passage from Luke chapter 10. And we do have slides. Dale's working on those. Yeah, the blue, the blue one. And um, I want to read from Luke chapter 10. If you've got your Bible or you can turn on the, in the app or U version or whatever you have, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 17 through verse 20. And it's coming up. There we go. Oh, good. It's coming up on the screen. So Luke says, When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to Jesus, to him, Lord, why don't you read this part with me? Lord, even the demons are subject to us or obey us when we use your name. Did you hear that? And what's Jesus say in verse 18? He says, yes. He told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I've given you Authority 
over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. So, first question I've got to ask is, what were Jesus' followers doing when this whole thing happened? So let's take a look at it. If you go back to the beginning, or back to verse 9, I think it is, you see that Jesus called and sent these 72 disciples out to do some things. Now, how many people here say, yeah, I, I would consider myself to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus? Anybody? I hope so. So Jesus sent his disciples out to do something. He said, I want you to go. And who's got their Bible? Who's, who can read verse 9? Janine, nice and loud. Please. Okay. That's good. So he sent these disciples out to heal people and to cast out demons and to tell them the good news, right? And, and Matthew chapter 10 says basically the same thing, a parallel passage. Now that was the 12 disciples. Now here in chapter 10, Jesus sends out 72 disciples. So he started with 12, and then those 12 became the leaders of the next big group that went out. And this big group was basically asked to do the same thing. And so apparently when they go out there, they have an experience. So what are they doing? They are obeying Jesus' command to go out and, and help people find freedom and salvation through the good news of God's willingness to forgive them if they turn to Him. Now, how many of us this morning know that Jesus calls you and me also to share that good news and to pray for people to be healed and in some instances, pray for people to be set free from demonic influences? Anybody get, does that sound a little scary to anybody this morning? I'm sure it does. We'll talk about some of those stories in just a minute. So how much authority did Jesus give his disciples? Go ahead and back up a little bit, Dale. There it is. Go, go ahead and back up one more. There it is. Look, verse 19. Look, I have given you authority over some, all. Now, just let that soak in for a minute, okay? I want you to think to yourself, Jesus tells me, because I'm a follower of Jesus, that he has given me authority. By the way, God bless you for sneezing. He has given me all authority or authority over all demons. I 
can see from some of your looks, you're, you're kind of like, I'm not sure I can fully swallow that one. But did who said it to us? Jesus did. If you're going to argue about it, you're going to have to argue with him. Now, just because Jesus said it doesn't necessarily mean we are fully persuaded, does it? In fact, I would let you in on a little secret. Until you test it, you never know for sure. How many of you are ready to test it? (laughs) All right, let's go on a little bit. So what are these disciples, now that Jesus had told us to, what are the things they are able to do when they go out to minister to people and they come across demon-possessed or demon-oppressed people? There's two words, if you back up a little bit again, Dale, I'm sorry. In verse 19, it says, You can walk among snakes and scorpions. Now, let me reassure you, he's not talking about Arizona and Death Valley or parts of Nebraska. He's talking about snakes and scorpions throughout the Old Testament are code word for demonic powers, okay? What does he say we can do with snakes and scorpions? Stomp on them. Walk all over them. That sounds pretty aggressive, doesn't it? You kids like to stomp on things? Any of you? When I was a little boy, I loved to stomp all over things. And Jesus says we have the right to stomp over unclean spirits when we counter encounter them and they're oppressing people. How safe will we be when we're doing this, according to Jesus? What's it say? Nothing will injure you. Nothing will injure you. Okay? When I was a brand new Christian, like I had been, I had given my life to Jesus like six months before, I was in college, and I got a knock on my door one evening after dinner. And my friend Jeff, who was an older Christian who was helping me grow and become a stronger Christian, said, I need you to come and pray with me for a guy who has got demonic problems. Now, I was a brand new believer. How do you think I felt? Uh, You want me to come with you? And I was very unsure, but I, I went ahead and came with my friend Jeff, and we came to this dorm room, and there's this guy there, and um, he looked very depressed, and so Jeff said, we ready to pray for you? And the guys talked about hearing voices and having tormenting dreams and, and uh, things in his head talking to him, and... Um, So Jeff began to pray, and he began to command the demons to leave this young man. And uh, and I was kind of standing behind Jeff, and uh, just kind of like watching this and agreeing in prayer. All of a sudden, the guy falls on the floor, starts rolling around and foaming at the mouth. 
and I'm really freaked out now. And, and he starts talking to us. It wasn't him talking to us. Anyway, Jeff continued to command that thing to leave, and in a few minutes it left. And the guy relaxed, and, and he got up, and he was normal again. And we were able to pray for him about some other things, and then we, we were gone. And I remember going, what just happened? Wow. Jesus protected us. That thing had to leave. It left in Jesus' name. It didn't have any choice. I remember thinking, gosh, Lord, I hope that never happens to me again. Well, guess what happened a couple months later? It happened again. We'll tell you that story maybe in a little bit. So, Jesus said to his disciples that when you begin to walk in this authority over the enemy, that you're going to be subject to a temptation. Anybody remember what that temptation is? It's in verse 20. Yeah, pride. That's right, Jonathan. It's the pride to begin to think, oh, I've got authority over the enemy. I can, do, I can make him go, and he goes. And what did Jesus say? Be careful. Don't focus on the authority. Focus on the fact that you are, your name is in heaven with me. We read in, um, I think Paul wrote to Timothy and said that the devil, one of his sins was pride. And if we walk in pride, what are we doing? We're coming into agreement with the devil. And that, you know what that does to our authority? It kind of like puts it in neutral because we've just left underneath Jesus' authority and we've just begun to agree with the enemy. And so we need to be careful when God uses us that we don't get a kind of a puffed up head there. Very important. Uh, another second time when we were, when I was in college, I got asked to come and pray for a lady who, was get, who had been involved with witchcraft. And so here's about four or five of us believers in a room with this gal, and um, her name was Lydia. And I remember we were praying for her, and I was starting to think, you know, hey, I've got authority and power here. I know how to make these demons leave. And um, I began to, to talk to that demon in that girl and tell her she needed to go and tell, him, tell the demon he needed to go. And the demon looked at me through the girl and said, Oh, I know who you are, and I know all the things you've done. Guess who shut his mouth in a big hurry? Because I started to walk in pride. Well, she was delivered and freed, totally freed. But it was a learning experience for me. So, how can we experience this authority that Jesus wants to give us as believers? How do we experience it? Yeah. Who said that? Johnny or Francisco? Say that again. We actually have to be doing the things Jesus asked us to do, right? You're not going to encounter resistance from the enemy unless you're doing things with Jesus to advance his rule, his kingdom, and people's lives, right? And so it's when you get out there and pray for people and get to know unbelievers and find out the stuff that they're battling, 
and you begin to actually come up against it, that you begin to discover, I have authority, and you can begin to use that authority to set people free through the power in the name of Jesus. I think the problem is, is for many of us in American churches, we're first of all lulled into believing the devil doesn't really exist, and then secondly, that, that all we got to do is just be good people and go to church once in a while and maybe put some money in the offering plate, and we've satisfied what it means to be a disciple. When Jesus has called every one of us to go, and as we are going, make disciples, help lead people to know Jesus, help people learn how to walk with Jesus, teach them what Jesus taught, and to deal with the demons as we come across them. What if you were to get up tomorrow morning and say, Jesus, I pray that today you would use me to extend your kingdom in somebody's life through whatever way you want to, Lord. I'll pray for them. I'll encourage them. I'll share scripture with them. I'll tell them my testimony. If everybody in this room this morning, supposedly we are all the church, right? The called ones, the sent ones. If each one of us would pray that prayer in the morning and offer ourselves to Jesus to be used by him, First of all, we'd probably encounter a few more demons, but we would also see some amazing things happen in our lives, but also in the lives of our community. You know, there's going to be a day when we stand before Jesus and he's going to ask us, what did you do with all those days and hours and time you had, resources you had? What did you do to take me at my word and to respond to my commands? We're going to have to stand before Jesus. Now, I know there's some amazing people in this room that are doing that. Grammy back there has a daycare. She ministers the power and authority of Jesus every day to children that she ministers to in her life. You do, don't you, Grammy? I would love to give you a half an hour to tell just the testimonies of the things God is doing in the lives of children who come from very, very broken families. But you know what? God can use you. Doesn't matter what your background is. Doesn't matter what your education is. Doesn't matter how qualified or how much of the Bible you think you know or don't know. If you know Jesus and he's touched your life, then you've got a very powerful message. Plus, you have his Holy Spirit living inside you to give you the courage and the understanding on how to help people when you come to him. Because none of us know what people's issues really are. We know little bits and pieces, but the Holy Spirit knows them, and He will help us. All right, let's keep going. I want to read that quote by uh, Dr. Tony Evans. I think that's up there. Next. Yeah, I love this. At the cross, Satan didn't lose his power. He lost his authority. He can't rule you. He just wants you to think he can. Right? And there's some very important truths connected to that. Satan has power. He's not a toothless lion. He's killing and destroying thousands and thousands of people every day all around us. Destroying families because of the fact that they give him authority in their lives by believing the things that he tells them to believe. Now, he doesn't have authority over you and me because Jesus 
gave us authority over him. However, if we believe the lie that we don't have authority, or that we have very little authority, and that Satan is a threat to you and me, and that he can hurt us if we don't do what he wants, then we have surrendered our authority and we now come under his power. All right. Let's look at a, a warning that Jesus gives to us as believers. In Luke chapter 11, verses 24 through 26, Jesus said this, and I think the scripture's up there, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert, or I think literally it's dry places, searching for rest. Now, a demon finds rest by inhabiting a person. It's looking for a home, actually. But when it finds none, it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds that its former home is all swept and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they all enter the person and live there, take up residence. And so that person is worse off than, than before. So let me ask you some questions, okay? This is learning. This is, I'm, I'm equipping you today, so I'm asking you hard questions, okay? Why does an evil spirit leave a person? Okay, and, and Deneen said it's somebody casts it out. And let's actually look at verse 20 through 22. It talks about why, why they leave a person. Who's got your Bible? Verse 20 and through 22. Dennis, you've got a nice loud voice. Would you read verse 20 through 22, that same chapter? Right, thank you, Dennis. So Jesus says that when a strong man is in possession of somebody, it's controlling them. But when a stronger man comes on the scene, he dispossesses that thing, that strong man, and it has to leave, and he gets all the spoils. So who is the stronger man? Jesus. And when we are walking in the Spirit and, the, and under the leadership of Jesus... We are stronger, right? We're stronger than the strong men or the de demonic spirits that are attacking people. In fact, the first verse you read, he talked about, your children are casting out demons. Our kids, we need to know that they can walk in the same authority when it deals with evil spirits as we do. I remember my son Gabriel had a, was having nightmares in, in his, when he was like four or five years old. And uh, in the nightmares, he, a dragon would come out from under his bed and scare him at nighttime. Well, Mom and I realized that uh, he was dealing with a demonic a torment. And so we told Gabriel, we said, let's pray together and ask Jesus to show you what to do. And so the next night, Gabriel, um, the thing came after him. He said, I picked up my sword of the Spirit and I commanded it to go and I slew, slew it in Jesus' name and it left. And it never came back. He told us that story the next morning. It was like, whoa, thank you, Lord. 
And so your kids, you need to equip your kids when they're dealing with uh, oppression and torment, bad dreams and stuff from the enemy. And we'll be glad to help you in any way we can. But uh, they need to learn to walk in the authority. They have the same authority. They don't have a junior Holy Spirit. They have the same size Holy Spirit that you and I have. Okay, some more questions. Where does the Spirit go when it's cast out? Yeah, it's looking for a new home. What happens when it doesn't find that new home? Yeah, it says, I'm going to go back and see if that person is available. And so what, is it, what kind of person can have that Spirit come back into them? It says their house is all swept in in order. What does that mean? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what that means, but all I know is the house is still empty. It hasn't been filled with something else. And apparently there's, an, a, there's, an, a, there's a vulnerability for that spirit to come back in. Either the person doesn't know the authority they have in Jesus and it can tell that thing, you can't come back. Or maybe when the demon was cast out of them, they never surrendered their life to Jesus. And if they were a believer, they never said, Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Because once a person is filled up with God, there ain't no room for any demons to come back. So what kind of a home would be demon resistant? Yeah, a home that's a person, a home, a body, a home. We call them our tent, our tabernacle, our home. That's filled with the Holy Spirit of God. So in order to be demon-proof, it's a good thing to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. And we, fill, we, we, um, we believe that God wants to fill every person with His Holy Spirit. And then everybody that's been filled the first time, we leak. We need to get refilled. And we get refilled by surrendering daily and saying, Lord, fill me up with Your Spirit. I surrender to You by pouring out the things that are not of God, so there's room for Him to pour in His Spirit. Okay? So is there anybody here this morning that needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit? There probably is. We're going to have an opportunity to pray for you in a minute. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, Paul says, Don't be drunk with wine in which there's dissipation, or dissipation I think has to do with... Uh, bad behavior, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Note there's a connotation that when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you might feel good like you've been drinking or something. I've seen that happen to people. And so my question for you is this morning, the next question is, have you been filled with God's Holy Spirit? Because when you have been, you will know it. And there's different signs that indicate that's happened. In Acts 2, verse 4, we read that Luke writes here, all those 120 people that were in the upper room after Jesus' resurrection, says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues or in, in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance or gave them the ability. One of the common signs of being filled with, with the Spirit, or baptized in the Spirit, that's the other metaphor, is that we 
begin to find that we can pray in a language we never learned. And it's a powerful, wonderful experience. It happened to me about two weeks after I surrendered my life to Jesus in college, my freshman year. Other times when we are baptized or, or filled with the Holy Spirit, we experience supernatural signs, prophecy. Sometimes uh, we read in Acts a mighty sound of a wind. Flames of fire have been seen. There's lots of different things that can happen, but tongues or the ability to speak in a, in a new language just seems to be the most common sign given in the New Testament. And so we encourage people to expect God to make sure that you know that you've been baptized or filled with His Spirit when you're being prayed for. Now, that's a cool thing that once we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we don't have to worry about demons anymore. But is that the main reason why God wants to fill us with His Spirit? What's the main reason Scripture tells us that God wants to fill us with His Holy Spirit? Acts 1, verse 8. Acts 1, verse 8. I don't think there's a slide for it. Acts 1, verse 8. Somebody, somebody got it that'll read it, stand up and read it nice and loud. Okay. All right, but you will receive power so that you can be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And witnesses in Jerusalem, which is home, Judea, which is the region I live in, Samaria, which is an ethnic area that's a different people group than my people group is, is normally referred to, and the uttermost parts of the earth, everything else. Now, it's not, it's not that you start in Jerusalem and then you go to Judea and then you go to Samaria. No, it's all the time, all those areas, you are a witness. Now, when we started out this morning, we talked about Jesus had sent these disciples out saying, I want you to go out and pray for people and share the good news that you have, heal the sick, and cast out demons when you encounter them. Right? Is that being a witness? Yes, it is. How about you in your daily life? You're not necessarily being sent out two by two, although that could happen. The Holy Spirit might speak to a couple of you and say, you guys, want, I want you to go to the, to the fair in Hemingford and two by two and look for people to pray for and witness to. That could happen. That'd be wonderful. But what about when you go to work and, you, and your co-worker comes in and goes, man, I just feel terrible today. I've got a headache. What do you do? Yeah, you say, can I pray for you? I believe Jesus heals. How many of you are willing to do that this morning when you have that opportunity? How about when you go to Safeway and you're, you're going down the aisle and you see, a, you see a guy dragging his leg or he's got a hurt knee or something? Is it that terrifying to say, hey, I believe God wants to maybe heal you. Can I pray for you? Do we believe in healing? I hope you do. If you don't, come talk to me. 
I'll be glad to show you what the Bible teaches. It teaches about healing. We are called to lay hands on the sick. It says that we will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. How many of us, when we meet somebody in a bus or a train or an airport, realize that you have an amazing opportunity to tell people what Jesus has done for you in your life? That's called a testimony. It doesn't need to be a scary word. People just need to know, yeah, this happened to me. I was struggling with this addiction or whatever, or my family was broken. God put things together. He healed me. How many of you enjoyed Bianca's testimony last Sunday? How many of you heard it? Oh, a bunch of you need to get on, on our app and, and listen to, watch her testimony. It's amazing. It took a lot of courage for her to share it, but it's, it'll inspire you as a powerful, powerful testimony of Jesus. I'm concerned as believers in America in the 21st century, we have got treasure inside of us. And what are we doing with it? We're keeping it to ourselves. We're not sharing the good news. How did you become a Christian? Didn't somebody tell you good news and share the good news? Jesus said, freely, as freely as you have received, freely give away. So I really want to challenge you this morning. We're going to stand before Jesus. And that's not the only reason we do it. We do it because we have a hope within us. In 1 Peter 3.15, he says, Make Jesus Lord of your life, and then whenever anybody asks you about the hope that's within you, share the answers that you have with humility. As a pastor, I get frustrated because I see so many amazing believers that have got this riches, gold and silver and precious gems of your faith inside you. And I want you to be giving it away. I want you to be loving people. That's all it really is, is loving people in Jesus' name, sharing the hope that you have with others. As we close this morning, I want to pray for some specific people. I want to pray for people that would say to me, Pastor, I know that theoretically I have this authority, but I've never really believed it or I've never really experienced it. I want to experience it, and I'm willing to even be put in a situation that the Lord would put me in to where I have to use that authority. If there's anybody that wants, that wants to pray that prayer this morning, I want you to come up and be prayed for. Anybody that's saying, I haven't experienced that authority, but I believe it's true because Jesus said it, and I'm willing to step out and do it, but I want to be prayed for for courage. I'll pray for you right where you are in your seat. You don't even have to come up. Just raise your hand and say, I want to be prayed for that. How many here would like to walk in the authority that Jesus gave you? Anybody? There's a few. Good, good. Some of you are still fearful. That's really sad because this has been all about why we don't need to be fearful. How many of you this morning would say, Pastor, I need boldness to be able to even willing to share my faith with other people. Anybody here? Okay. Good. Is there anybody here that can go, you know, Pastor, I've been a believer for X number of days, weeks, years, but I don't think I've ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit with power and received anything supernatural like ability to pray in another language? Anybody here say, I want to be filled with God's Holy Spirit? 
Anybody? Anybody this morning? Okay, good. Praise God. We want our houses to be filled with God's Spirit so we don't ever have to deal with any other kind of spirit. Is there anybody here this morning who would say, I think I've got people in my house, guests in my house that are not from God, and I want to be free. I want to be free. I, you're either having tormenting dreams, voices, depression, and depression can also be chemical and biological, but oppression where lies are constantly being spoken to you, that's, that's from the enemy. Is there anybody here this morning go, yes, I need to be prayed for to be free because I want to pray for you. You don't have to raise your hand if you do, but I'm going to pray for each of these categories of people right now. And I want to um, ask a couple people to come up and just stand with me in prayer. Thank you, Bianca. Someone else? Jay, would you come up? Thanks. Lord Jesus, first of all, I want to pray for all those that would say, I haven't really experienced the authority that Jesus, you said that you've given to me. Jesus, I want to know that it's more than just uh, something written in a book. I want to know it in my experience. I want to know the authority I have as a believer in you. And Lord, I am willing to be put in circumstances where I would have to activate that authority. So right now, Lord, in Jesus' name, I ask for everyone that is saying, that's me. I ask right now, Lord, that you'd begin to activate the authority of God through their personal life, through their life with you. And I pray, Lord, now in Jesus' name that you would put them in a circumstance where they would know that they need to step out and pray and confront something, and they will actually see the authority they are walking in. Lord, I pray that we would have believers in this house come back like they did to Jesus and say, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. I ask it, Lord. God, I don't want to pastor a bunch of people that never step out that never take a chance, who never take a risk because of fear. Lord, I pray that you would give us a spirit of boldness. Lord, the second prayer I pray is for those that say, Lord, Jesus, I need boldness to be able to, to, to step out and witness, to share my testimony, to talk to people, to ask somebody if I could pray for them. So Lord, those of us are, that are saying that this morning, you know who we are. So Lord, I just agree right now for boldness, for a courage to step out, to look beyond myself and my own self-consciousness, to be able to, to see that person's need and see their heart and see your heart, Lord, that loves them and will step out beyond myself and take a chance. Lord, I ask for that in Jesus' name. Lord, you said you did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. So we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I pray for those this morning that say, Pastor, I don't believe that I've been baptized in your Holy Spirit. I've never had any evidence of speaking in a new language. I've never had evidence of other supernatural spiritual gifts, like prophesying over people. So, Lord, I ask right now in Jesus' name that you would baptize me and fill me up with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, 
in the upper room with 120 and nobody had to make them try to do anything. It just happened by your spirit and they all began to speak in new languages. And they all began to experience a power and authority to be a witness for you. So I pray for whoever is saying, yes, Lord, I want that. Lord, that you would meet them in a powerful way, that you would give to them the ability to pray in a personal prayer language, that we be a powerful weapon and a tool for them. And that, Lord, they would begin to use the anointing of your Holy Spirit to reach others and be a witness for you. In Jesus' name. So, Lord, I also finally pray for any that are experienced torment, experiencing tormenting dreams, hearing voices that are condemning them, voices that are disqualifying them, voices that are, that are intimidating them. I ask now, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would um, show them, Lord, the authority they have that they can command those things to leave in the name of Jesus. Lord, I could cast them out, but I don't want to be the one that casts them out. Lord, I want to see them equipped to walk up and stand up in their authority. Your word says that we are to resist the devil and he will flee. And if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. So Lord, we just say to the devil, no, it is enough. Be gone in Jesus' name. And just like Jesus, you did when you were tempted, use the word of God on that devil and on those demons to make them go. In Jesus' name, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world of the enemy. We just thank you for this morning now. We, Father, we pray that um, you would help us to raise our kids to not let fear have a place in their lives. Lord, help us as moms and dads and grandparents to walk in the authority, to walk in the peace, to walk in the protection that you offer us, Lord, so we can help our kids experience that. And we thank you for this morning and for the power of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.